Welcome into Locked on Knicks and controversy abounds. The ESPN 100 list has come out, Gavin, and the Knicks are on it more than usual, but maybe not some as high as they should be. Tyler Hero over RJ Barrett, Russell Westbrook over Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle on the list. We'll get into all of it right now and tell you where all the Knicks will rank a year from now. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. All right, welcome in to Locked on Knicks. We wanted to thank you guys for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. I just did that like a broadcaster. Maybe an announcer. I don't know. Anyway, uh, and this is Locked on Knicks. And ESPN has released their yearly uh, NBA rank 100 player list, which always creates a whole lot of controversy right before the season. Perfect timing for us because, you know, we're, t- we're taking a day off from our 10 big questions to instead talk about this. Uh, Gavin, I'll just list off for everybody where all the Knicks ranked first. And we'll actually start with the top, the, the highest ranked guy and work our way down. Cause obviously it's more interesting towards the top. Uh, but I'll do it in reverse order. Just to start here. Mitchell Robinson makes the list, uh, comes in at number 98. He was actually ranked last year as well at number 93. So drops a few spots. Julius Randle comes in at number 71, dropped more than a few spots, <laughs> uh, went from 42 to 71. Jalen Brunson comes from the the land of the not ranked uh, at number 67 and gets a ranking this year. And R.J. Barrett, who we'll start off talking about here, also comes from the land of the not ranked. I seem to remember us being pretty indignant about that last year uh, and comes in at number 63. So a bigger jump for R.J. than a drop for Julius. So I'll call that a win. Uh, from uh, even assuming RJ was number 101 on the list last year to jump up to number 63. Pretty impressive. Uh, They wrote for RJ in his little blurb two years ago. Barrett shot 40.1% from three-point range. In his other two NBA seasons, Barrett shot 32% and 34%. The difference between Barrett becoming a high-end wing player or a solid starter is where those three-point shooting numbers shake out over the long term. After giving him a big money extension this summer, the Knicks will be banking on a high-end outcome coming to fruition, and that is uh, courtesy of Tim Bontemps at ESPN. Gavin, I'm going to throw this to you with just one simple thing, and I'll expand on it more in a second after I get your reaction, but I disagree with Tim Bontemps there. I don't think that three-point shooting is the only thing that is going to determine how high RJ can go. I would actually argue it's quite the opposite. I think actually his ability to finish around the hoop could be the differentiator of if he 
stays what he is right now, which is just a really good player, a good starter on a team versus becomes potentially the Jimmy Butler type that we've always sort of pegged him as. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think the three-point shot is a necessity. I think it would be a big boon for him. I think it would make every other part of his game that much easier. I think, I mean, to, to use that comp, Butler has suffered at this different points from not being consistent from three-point range, though every year in the playoffs he seems to really find a shot, by and large, after not hitting one all season. Um, but there, there's, a, there's a million areas for RJ to work on, right? The finishing at the rim, that's the clearest and most obvious piece. His best skill is, is his ability to access the rim if he could – be more efficient there. You, you're looking at a guy who, I mean, I I don't I don't rule out him having a season where he averages 28 points per game because he just he gets to the rim that easily and he's relatively so bad there right now. Him even getting up to average efficiency at the rim lends itself to him averaging somewhere around 26 points per game. Um, to me, his playmaking is probably the biggest thing that I'm looking for in terms of improvement. I think a lot of times he is taking bad shots because there are passes to be made. And he is either not seeing them or seeing them and is just a little too ambitious and a little too aggressive and and wanting to finish when there's an open guy in the corner. Because we've seen the flashes of like that ability to get to the rim and then whip a pass to either side with ease, playing with an elite three-point corner shooter in Brunson, uh, maybe getting more time with Obi Toppin, who has certainly improved in that capacity. I think those could be game changers for RJ. Um, Alex, I'll swing that back to you. And then I also want to get your thoughts on some of the guys ahead of him, namely Tyler Hero, who I know in the past has drawn the ire of um, Knicks fans towards the NBA media at large, who kind of just like say as if it's not a debate that Hero's a better player from that draft class. Yeah, so I'll just, I mean, I don't have to keep it. You, you made a good case for the playmaking. I think it's the finishing around the rim, because as you said, like, he gets there so easily. He's it, He doesn't necessarily blow by guys, but he's just developed such a good ability to get a guy in his hip and then work his way all the way in. The biggest differentiator we saw, which is maybe part of what went into this ranking of him being recognized by national media, is that he started getting recognized by the refs last year too. Uh, he was, as we've noted, like probably a billion times, like one of the highest free throw drawers in the entire NBA post all-star break last year. And I think even if you just narrowed it down in the calendar year of 2022 from January onward, he had like the fourth or fifth highest drawn field free throw attempts. And that was behind like MVP candidates, you know? So that aspect of his game is there. And that's always been one of the Jimmy Butler, like staples, his three point shooting, I think probably falls about third for me. Yeah. I, I think that's, because I think I would probably put playmaking second as well. You know, I think that if he develops that part of his game more, we've seen a really good passing repertoire for him. If he starts getting good enough on offense where he's drawing doubles and things like that and can prove to be smart enough to, you know, pass out of those and find the right guy every time, he might flirt with six, seven assists at some point in his career. And that would be a huge difference maker too. If he then starts get not just having the respect of the refs, but also having the respect of his peers, starts drawing doubles, and then starts being able to kick out to teammates on his drives and stuff, which then it's like it's like a duplicative thing, right? Like it, you create that ability to draw the attention, which then allows you to kick out to the the shooters, which then puts that fear into those same defenders and then lets them, you know, ease off of you sometimes. You create a a scrambled and confused defense when you can do multiple things really well, uh, which is why you always see guys like like Luca or LeBron or whoever else that 
are phenomenal scores and phenomenal passers just working defenses to their will. Um, but yeah, Gavin, uh, the hero thing I'm with, I like, I don't think I, you wrote out a pretty good case in our, in our prep notes here that I'll let you make again. I'll just be succinct and just say, I think RJ is better than hero at this moment. I think the hero has had a perfect context to be as good as he's been. He's been on a contender like his whole career, you know, and that makes life easy. <laughs> you know, if you're playing with another legitimate superstar and Jimmy Butler, if you're playing with Bam, who can cover up all your defensive shortcomings and make it so you don't have to work as hard on that end. You know, if you're playing with one of the traditionally best supporting cast in the NBA, where Miami just like pulls guys off the scrap heap all the time and turns them into like solid, like 25 to 30 minute per game players. Of course, you're going to look better when you're in like a zero pressure situation versus RJ, who's had terrible context for developing has been either ignored or thrown into the fire for most of his career without much in between. Uh, You know, it's if you're just looking at the numbers and stuff, yes, it might look like, oh, but Hero's counting stats are so much better and blah, blah, blah. But there's so much more that goes into that. And I think based off the fact that RJ is shown to be a plus defender and have like premium size for his position and premium strength and everything else, whereas Hero is very lithe and I think, honestly will never do much better than being like more or less like a Lou Williams. Uh, Like he might score 20 points per game, but I don't think that you're going to necessarily trust him in high leverage defensive situations and stuff like that. Um, You know, I I think that RJ definitely has a higher ceiling, which is why even though his counting stats aren't quite where heroes are at this particular moment, I would probably still have him higher if I was ranking, you know, guys in the NBA, not just by what they could be this season, but kind of the ESPN list is always sort of just like a generalized ranking of like where they are this season, plus where they have the potential to go sort of. Yeah. I think it's, it's both not as clear cut as most national media people make it out to be in favor of hero. And it's not as clear cut in favor of RJ as most Knicks fans make it to be like hero, I think is one of the elite shooters in the league he's 40 percent from three and he does a lot of that damage off the dribble he is a very smart playmaker uh for a two guard he's pretty slippery getting all the way to the rim i don't think there's much of an argument that right now he's a better offensive player than rj i mean the issue with him is that he is just such a disaster defensively in the playoffs and granted he was playing through an injury but i remember that that sixers series we we were watching shake milton of all people just just go at him again and again and again and basically just call for the ball wanting to isolate hero and hero just had zero answer and i think more and more the i mean it's it's weird that the nba as a whole has gotten away from isolation ball but when you do isolate and when you do get to prime time in the playoffs uh teams have gotten better and better at victimizing bad defenders and playing them off the court and to me that's just such a concern for hero his whole career like even if he has rj beat in a couple different really important areas i'm just never like even though rj i I really don't think had a great season defensively last year i'm just never going to be worried about that with rj and that's why certainly on a long-term trajectory i think i would prefer rj next year it's it's a little more more muddled there's a case to be made for hero but i don't know that that i don't think that was the most egregious one though i think as we'll get into next segment russell westbrook being ahead of Pretty much anyone on the Knicks, and not even just the guys on this list, is is pretty objectively terrible. The only other guys I put down for possible gripes compared to R.J. Barrett were Kyle Lowry. Um, I think I maybe would still take Lowry for one game scenario just because of, of who he is. But 
for a season. I think it's ridiculous to have Kyle Lowry ahead of him, and the guy could barely stay on the court last year. He was overweight. He looked slow. looked like he lost most of his explosion. I mean, whatever explosion he ever had in his game, just not the same dude. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, there, there's a debate there, but I don't know. Vucevic just doesn't impress me at this point in his career. Uh, Jordan Poole, interesting conversation. Clay Thompson, I don't think last year's Clay Thompson was better than R.J. Barrett. I, I think if he if he gets back midway to what he used to be, then yeah, you probably take him at this point. Marcus Smart, just such a different player, and that, that's what makes these lists so tough. Guys who play completely different roles and trying to compare them, it, it's it's nearly impossible. Um, but he's he's way, way up there at 34, which I think is absurdly high for Marcus Smart. I will say that much. But Alex, I want to continue going through the rest of this list. Next up is the Knicks' newest acquisition, Jalen Brunson. But first, we got to tell everyone about betonline.net. They are your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest football odds, league developments, game matchups, news and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering info, including live betting, esports, and scores. They are the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, and Alex, of course, baseball. Yeah, I got some bones to pick with Bet Online right now. There's uh, MLB uh, World Series championship odds. Currently, the Yankees sitting at plus 525, the Mets sitting at plus 550. Not entirely sure what about the Yankees' last couple months uh, would inspire Ouch. that sort of confidence Ouch. <laughs> uh, compared to the Mets, who just clinched the playoffs uh, probably a full week before the Yankees will. I guess they're getting a little too starry-eyed at, at uh, Aaron Judge and his singular awesomeness. Can't wait to see Aaron Judge in orange and blue next year. Anyway, moving on. Pick the Mets at plus 550. You might need to find a new co-host after that. That was that was cruel. Uh, regardless of mine and Alex's dissension, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online. It's where the game starts. And we are back on Locked on Knicks. Next up, uh, or, or next, uh, I guess, going backwards up on, on this list for us is uh, Jalen Brunson, the newest New York Nick, who comes in at number 67 and... Uh, I, I I already noted, Alex, my main contention here is it's, it is it is patently insane that he is behind Russell Westbrook. But uh, you, you can take this in a different direction if you want to. But something I want to discuss, should Jalen Brunson, based on his accomplishments last year in the playoffs, actually be ahead of R.J. Barrett on this list? Well, so first off, I just want to real quick on your one point from the last segment. Is there any GM in the NBA that wants to keep their job that would pick Marcus Smart over Shea Gilgis Alexander, if given the choice. Like SGA I mean, I was. Didn't, at I didn't even notice he was behind him. No, that's that's not. Yeah. SGA is at number forty-eight on the list, and freaking uh, uh, Marcus Smart comes in at thirty-four. Just insane. But to get I mean, back to the Brunson uh, thing, real, go, real quick, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Classic yeah. overrating of guard defense. He was the deep boy. Steph still yeah. torched him in the finals when it mattered. Sorry. Sorry, it didn't yeah. matter that much. It didn't matter that much. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't need to touch that anymore. Knicks fans don't need convincing that Marcus Smart is a bum. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. As far as Brunson versus RJ, I mean, first off, yeah, having Westbrook even on the list is a joke. Like the guy actively tanked the Lakers last year, and is actively tanked like the last few teams he's been on. Like his best 
usage at this point, which he refuses to do, was what the Rockets did with him, what Mike D'Antoni smartly did with him, like a smart coach, said, you know what? You're not going to have the ball in your hands. We're just going to have you make a million cuts a game and utilize your ability to finish around the hoop. Like, that's pretty much all he could do. He's like a a bruising, non-shooting wing trapped in a guard's body at this point, and he stinks. <laughs> he he's, should not... He's, he's 6'3", Julius Randle to me. <laughs> right, but even worse. Like, with... <laughs> Not in his athletic prime anymore either. You know what I mean? Like, just no no bueno. You know, I, I don't think that uh, Westbrook even deserves to be on the list. So I won't even acknowledge the fact that he's above Jalen Brunson. I will say Brunson and RJ are so close on the list, it's really hard to, like, pick too many nits about it, you know? Like, what, are we going to argue over, like, five spots? I mean, yeah, whatever. I, maybe Brunson should be, like, a hair above RJ, like, literally one spot. Um I do think, though, that what they're – so what they are trying to do is, like, pick out who you want this season. But I swear that it never is just that. Like, this ranking always, I feel like, also takes into account, like, the next few seasons. Um, because certain young guys get more of a boost than others, it seems like. And, um, you know, so it's it just – it always seems like they're looking a little bit ahead. I think that's probably why they went with RJ ahead of – of Brunson, but I think there's a reasonable case to be made. Like if, if RJ averages like, you know, another incremental improvements, let's say like 23 points on like, I don't know, 48% from the field and 36, 37% from three on decent volume and like 77% at the line, something like that. Um, and Brunson is on the team, you know, uh, with like 18 points per game and, maybe like seven or eight assists or something like that. Like I would probably consider that a better season by Brunson, especially if his efficiency is a little better just because he would have more onus on him to create for the rest of the team. But I don't know. I, I feel like when all said and done, we'll probably look back at this season and, and say like, I think they should have been about equal. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but I'm curious what you think. Cause you posed the question to begin with. So I'm curious if you think Jalen should be higher than RJ. Yeah, similar. I think there's a little projecting forward there. And certainly I would say RJ has more room for improvement than Brunson does at this point in his career. I mean, that's my opinion on it anyways. But I just think given what Brunson did in the playoffs, I mean, honestly, like if you're, if you're, if I were a Heat fan, I would make an argument for Tyler Hero. I would say, has RJ Barrett ever done anything in the postseason? And it's kind of unfair to ask that because it was in his second season and he had to play in the, in the shadow of Julius Randle bricking a million shots that series. But he, he hasn't, and and Brunson has pretty much, I it's unfair to say, single-handedly won a playoff series, but to your point, and I think the podcast we just did this morning, was the best player in a playoff series featuring two guys that ESPN has top 30 on this list. I mean, I'm not counting Luca because he was hurt most of that series, but you get the point. Um, I think Brunson deserves a little bit more respect after that, but again, not a not a major, major issue for me. Um, I'm down. Do you have any final thoughts on Brunson or you want to, you want to move, move to our guy, uh, Jules? Yeah, I, I think we can move things to, uh, Julius Randall at this point. Uh, should probably just take one last break before we get into that. Uh, so we'll take one last break. We'll come back, talk about Julius Randall and his place on the list. Mitchell Robinson being on the list again, and then make predictions about where we think some of the Knicks might be next year on this list and maybe if there will be some first timers so that'll all come up next on locked on Knicks. 
All right, and we're back, continuing our discussion about the ESPN Top 100, the NBA rank, as they call it. Uh, and as we said, there's two other Knicks on this list. So we had RJ Barrett at 63, Jalen Brunson at 67. Next, we have Julius Randle at 71. And we, as I briefly mentioned at the beginning of the show, what a fall from grace. Uh, he was at 42 last year after his second team All-NBA season. And maybe this list was the reason that he was screaming, I want my respect in that first game. The respect that he never wound up getting as now he's he's ranked down here at 71. Um, I, you noted in, in our prep document, Gavin, that no real gripes other than Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is like the uh, Eterna gripe in this one. You, you could have... You could have Russell Westbrook ahead of Cam Reddish, and I'd be like, "Yeah, that's a stretch." <laughs> um, but like, doesn't have his length. Yeah, I, you did note though in our thing. I'll let you make this case first. I don't know if I agree with this. You said you don't know if he's top one hundred. I'm just don't I'm, know I'm if just, I agree I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> well, ask away. Ask away with some yeah. context. I'm curious. This is where this stuff gets tricky, right? Because it, it's all so context dependent. I mean. Even Marcus Smart, the case for him being 33 is like he was clearly the third most impactful player on a team that for most of the season was the best team in the NBA. You could put Julius Randle again in a different context, whether it was a team like, I don't like, let's just say you replace him um, or you have him replace DeMontis Sabonis on the Kings, right? And he's on a team where he's playing with uh, Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter. Just shooters on shooters on shooters. And he's rolling to the rim because Fox is saying like, hey, man, that's what I need you to do. Kentucky connection. Come on, hook me up. And he, he's just playing the best ball of his life and he's being super efficient and, he, and he's taking only like two or three threes per game and he's making them and he's hitting a few mid-range shots. Then he should probably be higher than 76 because that guy's going to put up 24 and 10 and he's going to do so fairly efficiently. In the context of the Knicks, you said Russell Westbrook single-handedly tanked the Lakers last year. Julius Randle single-handedly tanked the Knicks last year. That's what happened. We we all we all watched it happen, and it was it was brutal. And he had good moments, but he mostly looked confused and at times disinterested and at times utterly destructive. So talent-wise, is he there? Yeah, but like, what is this list? This list is supposed to be the numbers list should be the number one guy in the NBA who helps you win basketball games. Number one hundred guy in this list should be the number one hundred guy in the NBA who helps you win basketball games. Julius Randle didn't really help anyone win basketball games outside of a seven-game stretch last year. So that, that's where the question comes from. Yeah, I mean, I, I I could definitely respect that stance. I think I think maybe they're projecting that with Brunson in tow that Julius will go back to sort of being a little more deferential again. Like, oddly enough, probably the most deferential we've seen him is when he played with Alfred Payton at times. Like, we saw him defer to Alf, like, especially that first season, Alf was bringing the ball up, like, all the time and Julius wasn't bringing it up as much. The second season was when Julius kind of started taking over of being like the ball handler, being the point forward. Obviously it worked so well during that COVID season, but maybe ESPN is just kind of thinking along the lines of like, if he could strike some sort of balance, then great. And he's definitely got the talent. I think you sort of have to weigh like the raw talent. Whereas like, I guess that's where I would, I would make the differentiation with Russ. I don't even think Russ really has that much raw talent left anymore if I'm being honest, because so much of his game was just based on being stronger, faster, and more psycho than everybody else on the court. Um, you know, as far as like just 
having the desire to outwork everybody and then having the physical ability to just do it every single night and you know tally a zillion you know points rebounds assists and like he did make some really phenomenal passes back in the day and stuff i'm sure that his passing ability hasn't totally let him let him down yet but you know he the ability to generate those passes was so much on his like blow by ability and the ability to get to the baseline real fast like from the three point line and swing that ball out to a shooter or something and that just doesn't really exist for Russ anymore. So, uh, whereas Julius, I still think can do a lot of the things that makes him really good. You know, I think that he can. He's he's built like a brick s house. Still, you know, he can still set a good screen, which he was a great pick and roll finisher for years. And I don't think any of his finishing ability has really left him. Um, you know, he's uh, he's still a good mid range shooter, and like when he is taking good shots, I think he's a a good enough three point shooter to you know, at least keep a guy stuck to him, you know, or at least keep a guy interested in defending him out there if he's taking mostly spot-up attempts rather than some of his less desirable step-back attempts. Um, so I think that's where I would, I would make differentiation. I, I think he's about properly ranked. I mean, I don't know. You know, looking at some of the guys that are below him, uh, if, I'm, if I'm taking a look at the list, like there is MPJ, which like super injured, but if healthy, could potentially impact games. John Collins, I mean, I think I would put them on about the same tier where you question like, okay, these guys can put up stats, but how much are they really affecting winning? Uh, Harrison Barnes is right there too. Um, ben Simmons, who can't stay on the court. Dylan Brooks, you know, another guy who's like stats, but like how much is he really doing for you kind of thing. So I, I think he's pretty fairly ranked among that tier of guys that can sort of like put up stats, but you kind of wonder like just how much are they impacting winning? Um, I figure I figure before we get into the futures look at this, we can briefly talk about Mitch too. Uh, the fact that you even made the list, uh, which is cool. I mean, yeah. I think it's kind of cool to, to recognize what Mitch brings to the table. I don't know. Like, how did you Mitch at number 98, actually a five slot drop based off the year prior. But it seems like he's been on this list pretty much every year since his rookie year at right around that like 90 to 100 area. Um, I'm kind of curious what like what's your take on him making the list and. They noted in their thing here, like in, in their little blurb, that they think that the addition of Jalen Brunson is going to prove to be really big for him, especially on the like the offense lob catching in. And I, I think I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, I I was actually I forgot that he'd made the list last year. And I still I still think of Mitchell Robinson as someone who is only appreciated by Knicks fans. And I'll I'll talk to a fan of another team and I'll I'll start like talking up his game and someone will be like, Yeah, yeah, no, I know Mitchell Robinson. He's one of the best defensive centers. League. I'm like, oh, you, you, you've heard of Mitch. You, you appreciate what he does around the rim. And they're like, yeah, man, he's insane. He's dunking everything. He's blocking everything. I'm like, oh, wow. Other, it's, it's like it's like when you discover like some what's initially a really small TV show and you're still talking about it that way four seasons in. And then you're like, dude, it's 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 friends. It, it's everyone knows about it. You're 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 way behind on this one. And that's that's kind of how I feel about Mitch. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of our guy. And I don't really have I, I can't say I have a huge gripe with with where he's ranked. I think there's a case that Again, just I, I think a case built around the fact that the Knicks were the number one defense in the NBA post All Star break, and Mitch was one of very few plus defenders who was in the rotation at that point. I mean, a couple people that I just noted that I think maybe you can make a case for him being ahead Keegan Murray, just because it, it feels a little preemptive to have him um, where he is at ninety five. Uh, Christian Wood is very similar to Julius Randle with to me, where he's he puts up good stats. He looks good doing it. Not doesn't really impact winning unless he's willing to be a six man. Maybe playing with Luca will change that. 
Um, I think last year, Mitch certainly had a better impact for the Knicks than Julius Randle did, playing completely different roles. So maybe, again, unfair comparison. Uh, Russ, obviously. Uh, D'Lo and Karis LeVert, I think, are kind of the guard versions of a Christian Wood. Were they bats? Uh, again, I question their impact. So if Mitch can bring any, I mean, it's, it's the internal question with him, but if he can diversify his offensive game in the slightest, if he can regain just a little bit more mobility defensively, which Alex, it's, weirdly enough, I feel like Mitchell Robinson has been the least discussed Nick on this podcast this offseason. I think him just being healthy and at the proper weight coming into a season could make a world of difference for this team. Um, there, I think I think there's a universe where he's talked about in the same breath as Robert Williams, who, if I'm remembering, was somewhere in the 50s or 40s on the list this year. Um, so there, there, there's a bright future for Mitchell Robinson, but heck, I'm, I'm, I'm happy he's acknowledged at all. Yeah, I am too. You know, and and I do think we haven't really talked about him much, even with all the talk of young cores and everything this uh, this off season. And we almost never just, mentioned him. Yeah, it's very very bizarre. We should uh, we should resolve to talk about him more leading up to leading up to the season. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I think what we started to see towards the end of the season was a good mix of the super elite rebounding player that showed up when Mitch was a little too beefed up, combined with the guy that can be a freak athlete and really affect the game on the defensive and offensive end with his dunking and his ability to just defend everything on defense. So again, yeah, if he comes in at the right weight this year, which every offseason video I've seen of him this year, it looks like that shouldn't be an issue. I think he's been focusing on the right training regimen, it looks like. You know, he's not too too beefy like last year when he couldn't really he couldn't really work his legs much because of the foot injury. And so just sort of was like, well, I'm just gonna get huge. And it didn't really work. <laughs> um, so I, I hope that, you know, he he is able to come in and be like totally ready to rock, totally in great cardio shape, like ready to be as bouncy and springy as he has to be. And if he can kind of find that nice little middle ground with that strength still included, I, I think, yeah, he could be a force. I mean, he might finally I know this is still like ceiling talk, but there's a world where he could still turn out to be that like go bear level defender that we've talked about. Or like you said, even just a Robert Williams, which would be a guy that just started on an NBA finals team. So like, that's a, that's a really good player. that will be well worth the money that the Knicks just invested in. Um, so to move to our final topic, Gavin, before we sign off on this episode, the list is obviously missing a number of other guys on the Knicks, uh, mostly the young core. I'm not surprised because again, it's like, we talked about this after the Mitchell saga where we were like, I don't know if the league or people around the league necessarily like know how good these next young players have looked in some of their minutes because they were so few and far between. Uh, so I'm kind of curious what you think. Do you think that a guy like an Emmanuel quickly or an Obi Toppin or Quentin Grimes or yeah, I don't know, maybe it was a dark horse like a Deuce McBride uh, could potentially be on this list by next year and potentially how high and also i guess do you think there's there's room for aggressive movement by any of these guys yeah so i'll, I'll start with the guys who weren't on the list this year I, I think quentin grimes is going to be on this list next year i think he'll be somewhere between like 70 and 95 probably but i i, I think he's going to come out put up something like 16 points per game this year play great defense shoot close to 40 percent from three average a couple of assists and basically be like 
90% of what Desmond Bain does for the Memphis Grizzlies. And Bain was, I think, up in the 70s or maybe maybe 60s on this. I think he's in the 70s. Um, point being, I think Grimes is, is is the guy I would bank on in terms of breaking through. For Emmanuel quickly, I just, I just unfortunately, he's not going to play the minutes. If the Knicks had not signed Jalen Brunson and he was a clear-cut starter or point guard coming to the season, he would be sort of the bold-faced lock-it-in prediction for me. Uh, Obi Toppin, it comes down to what it always comes down to. Um, I think this is maybe a podcast in and of itself, so I don't even know if we should bring it up right now. But Ian Begley in his mailbag today, I think, said that there was a 40 – he put it at 45% that Julius Randle gets traded in the preseason. So maybe I'll put it at 45% that Obi Toppin's on this list next year because that, that is the single thing uh, separating him from, from being on it. As far as movement, RJ's the one guy, like if you have to bank on a Nick who could be in the top 30 next year. I, I think it's clearly him. I could see Brunson moving up a little bit with the full season of his playoff production, but RJ is the guy to me that can make a big leap. But what, what, what are your thoughts on that topic? Yeah, I, I'm pretty much with you on the the young guys. I think that, you know, a lot of it depends on how long Tibbs is with the Knicks as well. And it, so it's like, how long is Tibbs going to be with the Knicks? Do they get rid of Julius Randle? And if it is Tibbs, you know, is he going to be able to put aside his put his put his favorite toy Derrick Rose on the shelf or back in the toy box and you know take out the new Emmanuel quickly action figure and uh let that one have a little time in the sun because yeah that, that's the biggest thing is there's just these veterans blocking these players and they can have all the talent in the world but if they're not allowed to showcase it then you know it's going to be difficult to make a list like this um I, I do think that Grimes, based off the fact that Tibbs apparently loves him so much, he should be able to consistently carve a rollout for himself from day one this year, regardless of if Tibbs makes it the whole season or not. I think any coach in the NBA, if you ask them, would you like a Quentin Grimes on your roster, based off what he showed last year, what he showed in summer league, you know, I think every single coach would be like, yeah, obviously, you know, he's he's like he has good size for like a, a shooting guard, small forward kind of flex wing there. He's got great shooting ability, like one of the most lovely looking jump shots in basketball right now, in my opinion. Um, and has shown potential for, you know, possibly more than that as far as a little bit more ball handling than we've seen, a little bit more passing than we've seen and stuff like that. A little more finishing even, you know, and the ability to get to the rim. So I think he'll I, I don't know if I necessarily think he's going to average 16 points this year like you think. But even if he averages like, I don't know, 12 or 13, something like that which, again, is kind of like splitting hairs. But, I mean, that, that is the difference between R.J. Barrett scoring like 16 in his rookie year versus 20 in his third year, making oh, us, you know. significant. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think he'll he'll crack double-digit points per game for sure. And I think just based off of that, plus if the Knicks eventually get rid of Evan Fournier or something, maybe at the trade deadline to some, like, shooting needy team, now that he's one more year into his contract and that much more tradable, um, you know, then maybe – Maybe by this time next year, you know, the people at ESPN will be like, yeah, okay. Like if he's getting a starting role, obviously he's going to be really good this year and going forward. So we should rank him, you know, for sure. Um, I think we quickly in Obi, I think you pretty much nailed it. Obi's not going to make it unless Julius is off the team because um, he's not going to get more than 10 to 15 minutes, especially if Tibbs is coaching. And that's a crime against humanity, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and IQ, same deal. It's like Rose has to sit more. Um, he has to be able to carve out minutes for himself. Probably Fournier has to sit more for quickly to be able to get the right amount of minutes to really like make a case for himself in this list. You just noted like Desmond Bain had an awesome season last year on the second best team in the West by record. 
and wound up number 68 on the list. You know, it's like, one more you got to do at that point, you know, like if it, I, that's about where I could see quickly ending up, it, you know, if quickly scored 18 per game this year on the level of efficiency that Bain did and was providing the defense and everything else, like we'd be like, heck yeah, he should be on the list and maybe even higher than 68 based off the potential. But, you know, yeah, that's the sort of thing you got to do as a guard to make this list. Unless your mark is smart, then you can just play defense and be a bum otherwise and make number 34. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's what I thought of quick. Um, other than that, I don't really see any other sleeper candidates. You know, I, RJ, I agree, does have the the highest potential for upward movement. Although I will say Brunson too, to our point earlier, with the fact of like, oh, well, should RJ and Brunson like be swapped on this list or something? I think Brunson has a lot of upward trajectory as well because if he goes from being a fifteen and five player to like a nineteen and eight player. That's a that's a pretty huge leap, you know, as far as his overall production. Um, and I think that that would probably start getting him in the conversation for top fifty. Like if he's really leading the Knicks and they have like a a resurgent season this year, record wise too, and he's sort of like the figurehead of that. I think he'll get some votes just based off of that. Like, no, he should be higher because he's leading a team that had a big turnaround and leadership is worth something, you know, on these lists. Like, it, stats are one thing, but we see plenty of guys. Uh, you know, that are not necessarily the most statistically significant, like a Draymond Green or something that's on this list where it's like, eh, Draymond seems pretty diminished at this point in his career, but he was on a championship team, so let's rank him top 40, you know? <laughs> so uh, that goes a long way, I think. So if Brunson sort of becomes like the figurehead of a of a Knicks resurgency, uh, he might have some more upward trajectory than RJ, uh, especially if RJ only makes like a marginal improvement on his 20 point per game season last year and maybe gets like 21 or 22 points per game and has other improvements that fly a little more under the radar, like improved efficiency and stuff like that. Um, RJ might have a tougher time moving up the list, but yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at. Otherwise, I mean, I actually didn't really, I didn't really have too many huge gripes with the Knicks placement on this list on the overall. And I actually have, Based off this year's list, I'm like, wow, next year I, I'll i actually go into this exercise thinking like, wow, maybe they can actually rank the Knicks kind of fairly. It, whereas if you would ask me after like last year, I would have been like, this list is trash. Like RJ Barrett should be on it, you know, whatever. So all the difference a year makes, I guess. Thanks, ESPN. <laughs> Cut to black. No. Uh, that's it, guys. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this was Locked on Knicks. Uh, we'll be back. Tomorrow on Friday, as long as the interview doesn't get canceled, uh, with with one of one of the more ex- one of the episodes I'm most excited about that we've made this whole summer. Special treat, really cool interview, uh, most likely. Uh, we will talk to you all then, uh, and then we'll be back with our big questions early next week. So until then, be good. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Locked On Next.